Welcome. Welcome to Quarantine with Styles, aka Driving with Styles. Happy Hump Day. Hope everybody's having a a wonderful Wednesday, enjoying their day. Hopefully it's good weather where you are is always in the bayou. Hot. Hot, hot. This this day has been a very interesting one for me. Cause I was all poised to to talk some more about my man Patrick Mahomes. I was gonna actually show some of my old tweets to prove how how long I've been a fan of his. I was going to talk a little bit about UK wide receiver group. With the new coach coming in, etc. How I feel confident in them. Some NBA stuff, etc. And I came across this article. Let me see if I can pull this article. Let me I think I have it somewhere. I came across this article. And is the exile of Oakland age Bruce Maxwell and the birth of MLB's black player movement. It's a pretty extensive article, very interesting, especially since I'm not a baseball guy. And if you will follow me, you can tell right now how, how, how intensive this, this article is. It's a great read. Great job by Howard Bryan. I follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow. Uh, he wrote a book called Full Descendant, which he ends this article on. It is a really good article. And it took me some time to read it. And man, it 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 bothered me. It was tough to read. It bothered me some and because of that I switched my course and I wanted to talk about something that I don't talk about which is baseball and this is really not a baseball thing so I guess I'm really not talking about baseball but this article is not sports related to me in essence and like I tweeted out today I if you're looking for sports talk today, probably not going to be it. This is going to be a talk on racism, I guess, being a black male. And there were some, I mean, this article is full of nuggets. Um, nuggets might be the, yes, I'm going to say nuggets. Very tough things to read from as a black man and I hope you guys stay to listen I honestly don't know what it's gonna come out of my mouth which I really never do but this article touched me for many reasons and there were I actually took down a a, a few quotes that was really the first three that I came because I didn't want to want to 
to bore myself or the potential listeners with quote after quote. But let me show the, the three that I had. So, first quote, this is from Bruce Maxwell. If you don't know who Bruce Maxwell is, he was the only baseball player to take a knee during an anthem after Cap did it. And if read the article, please. It's, it's worth the few minutes of time that, is, that you have to dedicate to watching it. It's worth it. So the first quote says, the season's going to resume, which he's talking about this next season. They're going to get more fame because it's going to look like they're standing up for what's right. And he's talking to the black players that are currently employed because he's not employed right now. They're making t-shirts and they're showing they care, but they don't go back to the original sacrifice person, which was him. Where was all of this then? It's easy to talk because everyone's talking. I was out there by myself. I'm bitter as F and I'm not hiding it. And uh, a current player of that, Cameron Maven has a quote said, because now they're, they're trying to form a, a black player coalition. And during that talk, he was of them trying to form something to hopefully not have this happen again. And Maven says, I told him we weren't there for you, but we're here now, which is a little too little too late. He should feel every way he should feel. He should be mad. We should have been there. We had the chance to apologize to him. What we're doing has been overdue, long overdue. The last quote, which really shook me a little bit, is from a perennial baller, all-star Dave Stewart, who is now Bruce Maxwell's agent. And Dave says, no black athlete in America is more afraid of ownership than a black baseball player. It's not like in baseball, in basketball, football, where you have a big number of blacks. Here they know they don't need you. They can play baseball without you. Damn. That's tough to hear. And and I the reason why it hit me hard is because man I should have pulled up the picture I'm I'm not I'm, I might post one so if you don't know I'm really a track guy who plays football um, I've stated that my love for track many times on Twitter and. That's the way I got to the private school that I was fortunate to attend, Episcopal High School of Baton Rouge. Probably one, not probably, it's the best school in the state, academic school in the state. And the reason why I was fortunate to go there is for one reason, and I've stated this in previous broadcasts, 
the track club I was with used to practice at Southern University, which is one of the bigger HBCUs, historically black colleges, universities in the country. And that's where we held our track practice. And the one year, they were redoing the surface of the track. And because of that, we couldn't practice on the track because they were taking it up. And that was, a, I think it was about two weeks or a week. I can't remember. It was close to nationals, but whatever. And we had to find a track. And the crazy thing about Louisiana being it is a track state is that there's not a lot of tracks in Baton Rouge, which is interesting. It still interests me, interesting to me now because I have a son who's really good at track and it's hard to find a track to practice on. So we travel. I mean, it's like 30 plus minute drive from Southern to Episcopal High School. It's on the other side of town. Probably like 40 minutes, really. And to get us on the track, of course, our, my high school coach had to be at the practice. And he is, he's one of the best track coaches in the country. And it's, he's been awarded with that as being awarded top track coach, high school track coach. He has, I think he's two or three wins away from beating the most consecutive cross country titles in the country. I think he needs two more in a row to beat that record. So I think he's got like 20, I've been out of school. 27, he's got like 25 in a row and like 35 out of 37, something like that. So he saw us and said, I need these guys at this school. And he talked to the coaches and made sure the ones who can academically succeed here and the best athletes. So lo and behold, we brought a lot. I think we brought about 12 people. And luckily, I had three guys whom I've known since I was eight. Warwick Dunn, who is Florida State legend, played for Tampa Bay and played for the Falcons. Myself and Marquise Williams, who was Sunbelt freshman uh, offensive player of the year. So luckily, I had them. And it touched me when... Maxwell said that he fell alone because for me, luckily, I had those two guys in my grade and we went through some stuff. I don't think my, that my class at that time saw as many black people at one time in classroom with them. And it was a beast. And I can't imagine being the guy out there by himself. When there are other guys who could have stood up. And it's the same way in the football, honestly. There wasn't that many people who stood with Cap. Eric Reed was one. Kenny Steele was another. And it's like it, it became some people like once, like, one of the guys I had the, the Bears defense line who said he wished he would have he would have stood he would have kneeled but he felt that he's got family to feed wife kids 
it was hard for him. And I've said it myself. I'm not sure if I would have been able to do it. Being a fifth round draft pick, not guaranteed to make a team. And I and the bad part about I feel bad about that. Because you should stand up for what's right. And it's sad that we are in a situation where players at the time didn't feel comfortable being themselves and comfortable fighting for things that they knew that was right. And it's sad for Maxwell to have taken all this on by himself because at least in the NFL, Cap had a, some players that aligned with them. He had some players that were willing to stick their neck out and and take the stance with them. I couldn't imagine going in that solo. And now Maxwell lost his wife. He lost money. He lost his career and Nike isn't coming to for him to get him money he stepped out on faith and stepped out for something that he felt was the right thing to fall on the sword for and I commend him for that and I wish he would have had some other players on his team on opposing team that would have stood with him It's sad that we have come to the point where on both sides, state your truth. Like, like Maxwell said, I'm going to read it. I'm going to look off to the right or to the left on the screen. And I'm going to read the, his last quote. Now he's playing in Mexico. Okay. And he said, the last three, three years of my life, has been hell, I lost money, my job, my wife, and I finally got into a place where I could figure myself out. When I came down here, which is Mexico, all eyes were on me without backlash. Honestly, I've never been happier. I busted my ass to become myself. I like myself now, and this opportunity here, no one gave it to me. I earned it, I finally feel like I belong somewhere, and I cannot put that aside right now. My happiness, makes me money because when i'm happy no one can nobody can touch me people love me unconditionally here down here unlike in the states wow it it's tough to hear that we sometimes happiness or we lay down our happiness for money when we know what's right is right. And you're an athlete, trust me, I was one. And mine was really short-lived. Your career is only yay long. No one's gonna play until they're 60. You're, out, you're in this league and you're out of this league. You have a lot of life to live after this league. Whatever professional sport you do. And to be able to leave the sport 
with your head held high knowing that you did everything you felt was right, I think is should be commended. Even though Bruce Maxwell isn't making the money he could make in MLB, he's happier where he's at. I hope someone gives this man a chance. Again, now, apparently, he had a chance with Oakland, but he turned it down. Would you feel comfortable, comfortable going back? The team that, in essence, ostracized you for having a viewpoint? It's tough, man. That that hit me hard because this guy sacrificed. Not like Kaepernick. Not people can say Kaepernick is making money off of NFL. He just signed a deal with Disney. Blah blah blah. This guy isn't. He was the only one in the entire league. There's only I think seven percent blacks in Major League Baseball, which used to be higher. I know baseball. Louisiana is really big on baseball. And it is, to me, almost an elitist sport. It's sort of on par with lacrosse. Because it, the, everything is expensive. You got a bat. You got gloves. You got cleats. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. You got to play on these travel league teams that, from what I hear, is thousands of dollars, a thousand dollars to be a part of. You have to play all year round, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost becoming an elitist sport. And I want you to read the article. There's a lot of, it's a really good article. I learned a lot from it. I didn't know it was that bad. I, now I kind of get an idea of why maybe there's not that many black players in baseball anymore. It, it makes sense. Again, I, I advise you to read. I tweeted out today. It's, it's, I think everybody should read it. It explains a lot for me. And piggybacking off of that. Now, <laughs> Go from MLB to the WNBA. And WNBA has always been a progressive league. If you've been a guy who's been around women my whole life, as far as in my family, and my mom, grandmother, and my aunt being, my rest of soul, being integral in my development, Alongside my dad, is you understand how much they go through. And the WNBA, you know, the WNBA is it crosses all kinds of, of bounds of isms, sexual, their sex, their sexual orientation. Et cetera, et cetera. And I saw this interview by Candace Parker, whom I saw play in high school. She was a stud. Uh, this interview 
I think it's TNT. It about Kelly Loeffler. I just say this. Kelly Loeffler is a senator of Georgia. She was co-owner. Uh, she is still co-owner of the Dream, and she made a statement condemning the Black Lives Matter going on the courts, the jerseys, etc. So this is Candy's, Candace Parker's addressing that issue. We have a very unique experience because one of our esteemed co-workers, Candace Parker, is in a bubble of her own down there in Bradenton, Florida with the WNBA. Uh, and Candace, I kind of need you to speak on something because as we talk about the social justice messages on the back of NBA jerseys, there's a little bit of an issue right now in the WNBA where Georgia Senator and also one of the co-owners of the Atlanta Dream uh, franchise, Kelly Loeffler, came out and was critical of the Black Lives Matter initiative and actually asked that league to put an American flag on every jersey. Now, the WNBA, Candace, has come out and has made a statement about this uh, and said how important it is to stand behind the cause. Um, but I'm curious for you as a leader of that league, what's your take on it? There is no place in the league. Um, there's no place in the WNBA, uh, a, a league that is the majority minority. And I've said this a number of times. This is a league that is 80% African-American women. We talk about socioeconomic background, gender, women, black, socioeconomic, talk about sexual orientation. There's no place in this league. And I think we've had a number of people that no. have stepped forward and listened and have taken initiative and taken action. And we've had those that haven't and continue to make comments and show why we're still in this situation. And so I think a number of players in our league have expressed that, that she's there's no place in the league for her. Mm. Let's take a look at that statement uh, from the WNBA commissioner. Uh, as they address this, Commissioner Kathy Engelbert saying the WNBA is based on the principle of equal and fair treatment of all people. And we, along with the teams and players, will continue to use our platforms to vigorously advocate for social justice. Senator Kelly Loeffler has not served as a governor of the Atlanta Dream since October 2019 and is no longer involved in the day-to-day -day business of the team. Very interesting. Now, like I've said, this league has been continually on the progressive side of things that's going on in this country. And this lady has been the co-owner since 2011. She's not just a recent owner. She's been in 2011. There's been some things that the WNBA has addressed and she didn't say anything about it. Planned Parenthood, the Trayvon Martin, the Castro deal in Minnesota a few years ago. Nothing. And now this election year, she said something. And it's very interesting in the timing of her coming out strong. I mean, very strong. Let's put American flags on it. Like, I'm interested that they don't already have American flags on it. Obviously, they probably done it for her to say that. But are you serious? So, we have now gone too far today for you to have 
or for your name to be associated with the WNBA. Not the four, not other issues and events that have been taken on by these women, which have done a great job of, of using that platform since they've been, since the league has started. They have been role models for girls, like I say, since it started. And my sisters, they, my sisters were big into the, is still big into the WNBA. And it's amazing that today, or this week, whenever the announcement came that they're going to do the Breonna, Breonna Taylor and the BLM, Black Lives Matter on the court, that now she speaks out. And we, some people always say we got to take politics out of sports. Sports is the safe haven. Sports is the unifier. Well, I think Kelly Loeffler is using sports to her game to generate some support from the base. If you see these, these clips of people terrorizing other people because of wearing a mask, because you don't look like you belong in this neighborhood, etc., pulling guns out on people, all that stuff. It's sad to me that now she is using sports for her political game. So if we kiss athletes need to stick to dribbling, well would politicians need to stick to laws, rules, and governing? Because she stuck her neck out into a a realm that she probably shouldn't have stuck her neck out in. Unless she's trying to gain political points via the use of her being a co-owner of a WNBA team. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. So, that's all I got for you guys. I apologize. I don't. I'm not going to apologize. We'll be back to sports hopefully on Friday. And I hope Everybody continues to have a good Wednesday evening. And I will see you guys on Friday. Thanks for tuning in.